Hey there, fellow cinephiles. It's Josh the Merc Rayner here, and it is episode number 40 of Talkin' Schmodown. Got a big episode today. Got the uh, last three matches of round two for the Ultimate Schmodown Teams Tournament. Some crazy matches. It's fantastic. I am super excited to get into it. So, as I say every single episode, let's get ready to talk Schmodown. Let's get ready to Schmodown! Alright everybody, this is episode, again, this is episode number 40 of Talking Schmodown. I am your host, Josh the Merc Rainer, owner of Merc with a Movie Blog, and I am so excited to get into everything today. We got a jam-packed week full of great stuff. Uh, but before we get into all of that, a uh, little bit of more somber note. Uh, this past week, we lost one of our own, uh, Ms. Emma Dollface McAllister. You know, she was big in the uh, fan leagues, the, the the trivia fan leagues. She was big on the uh, like SEN Live and in the Schmodown Facebook group. Fantastic person. She passed away uh, this past week. Uh, she'd been sick for a while. So I'd like to give a moment of silence for Emma. All right, thank you, everybody. Um, if uh, if you guys haven't been able to yet, I believe that they are doing uh, some sort of donations for her family. Uh, so find whatever you can if you can help out in any way. Please do. Uh, she will, Emma. You will be be greatly missed. Uh, and I'm sorry that uh, that we didn't get to know each other and, and you know better. I know a lot of you out there uh, who are listening probably had some some great interactions with her. Uh, I had a few, but but not not a lot. But you know, I always heard her come up on like SEN Live and stuff like that, asking questions and whatnot. So, and I would always see her uh, posting in the groups and stuff. So, uh, you know, my my condolences go out to her family and uh, to and, and to her friends. And uh, yeah, you know, this it's a it's a terrible thing that when we lose one of our own. So, all right, uh, and there's really no good way to transition into this so you know we're just gonna i'm just gonna hop into things um like i usually do uh i do a little bit of news first i have a couple of things that i wanted to uh mention first is uh, a new episode of profiles is up on patreon right now for for those of you who are patrons and able to access the profiles videos they just put out one uh, about the history of the singles championship so definitely go and check that one out uh, and also, for the $10 and up patrons right now, the Holiday Exhibition match has officially dropped. Uh, it's got Janine, uh, The Machine, William Bibiani, Rachel Silvestrini, and Tom Dagnino. Yes, I said Tom Dagnino. Uh, not 100% sure why it's him, but uh, hey, why not? Check that match out. I haven't, I haven't watched it yet, but uh, I'm actually pretty excited to see uh, how it all shakes out. Before we get into the matches, uh, we've got. I want. I want to play this clip from the interview over on our one of our other shows, After Live, with former singles champ William the Beast Bibiani. 
who we will uh, see be talking about later on in uh, during his ma- one of his matches uh, as well. So check out this clip, and then uh, we'll be right back. Let's talk about the Schmodown now. Uh, it's actually been three years since you debuted this year. So uh, what is your favorite entrance have you done throughout your career and this year? Oh, geez. Um, I've done a lot of entrances, I'm not going to lie. Uh, probably my favorite, just because it fulfilled a fantasy of mine, is the MST3K entrance. In uh, yeah, my title good. match against Mark Andreco, uh, I convinced them to take a public domain film and allow me and Whitney Seibold to do a like two and a half minute riff on a movie and then the gag is i missed my cue and i need to run in and uh, i'm a huge mst3k fan was very influential to me and so being able to do that was just a thrill and i actually really love the way it came out i think it turned out great some people say that entrance is too long that is the point (laughs) it was supposed to be the point some people i loved watching the reaction videos because half of them were like this is delightful and i never want this to end and the other half were like it's too long (laughs) so long get back to the show um i'm happy with that being divisive as for this season i've had some really good ones this season i really love the way the leonard moulton uh uh entrance came out oh yeah Um, that one I really love the way the Monsters Inc. entrance came out. Uh, however, there's at least one entrance that no one's seen yet. Um, at this point, uh, it's no spoiler to let you know that our next match team matches with the Odd Couple. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the kid and I came up with a pretty funny idea for that. And I hope it turns out as good as it was in my head. Because if it does, I think it's going to be, I think it, it has the potential to be a favorite. I think it's really, really clever. And I don't think anyone's ever done it before. So I'm hoping that will end up being my favorite. But if not, yeah, probably, probably Monsters, Inc. I've been trying to get that one done for like a year and a half. And it just finally came together because we were one of the first matches of the season. And everyone had a little extra production time. And I had room to film some extra stuff and um screen junkies was kind enough to let us come over there and shoot something in the middle of one of their shows and it was great yeah what is like the white whale of openings that you really want to do for the schmodown you couldn't that that is an excellent question um i would love to do a step up entrance like that's yeah. my fantasy. Like I want to like recruit oh my gosh. a whole team of B-boys or whatever. The problem is the problem is a you know I finding enough good dancers and uh, good material for them to dance to uh and also the amount of stage we have. Um in the actual Snowdown studio there's not like a ton of space for people to do some crazy dance moves and a lot of stuff like we're not seeing the ground a lot of the time it's a it's a tv studio there are wires and things and it might not be safe so um that's something i really want to do sometime maybe if i get like a larger live stage like um the stage they had in houston where it was literally in a wrestling arena that would have been perfect and if i'd been there that would have busted my butt trying to put that in <laughs> finally had the space necessary to do a huge crazy dance number but uh so far it is not to be all right thank you everyone for checking that out be sure to head on over to anchor.fm slash movie blog merc and check out after live episode number 41 so you can hear the entirety of that william bibiani 
interview uh, is fantastic. Be sure to check that out. Alright, so we're going to get into match number one this week. Uh, and this was a highly talked about match uh, throughout the week. And that was the Family versus Paddington 2. So we got our opening scene. Kaiser still at Universal looking for Kalinowski. Uh, this is something that's been going on for for a while now. And I really have been kind of digging what they've been doing. And it will continue throughout this week. Uh, you know, he's on the phone with Eric Zipper. Uh, because he needs a, he needs a ride. Uh, Smets comes up, tells him that Mike is nowhere to be found, but Kaiser ain't having none of that. He sends Smets back out, and then is confronted by Brandon Hanna. Uh, he tells him that uh, you know the smart thing for Kaiser to do is to draft him. So not only are we getting managers going out and trying to recruit, now we're you know now we're getting players going out trying to get recruited so i really like that they're kind of sprinkling that kind of stuff in throughout this you know this kind of stuff throughout these uh these scenes that they've been doing not just the these kaiser smets universal studios uh scenes but just in general throughout the scenes we've been seeing a lot of that a lot of possible recruitment stuff going on i'm really it's really interesting because the draft is going to be insane and I, i'm i'm pumped for that um so my question is, where does Brandon Hanna's allegiances lie? You know, we first saw him agree to be on uh, the, the the Horseman. You know, the, the the fifth member of the Horseman. Then we find out that he signed a contract with the family, and now he's over here going to the dungeon trying to get recruited. So obviously, this guy he doesn't have any allegiances. He's just going to go where, you know, whoever he thinks will benefit him the most. Uh, so, you know, he's definitely not a trustworthy person. You know, you don't want the hitman. I personally, I don't think I would want the hitman on my team because he may he may backstab you, you know. He may uh, just turn and decide, you know what, they're offering me something better. Peace out, I'm gone. You know, which it seems like is what he's been doing, jumping ship over here uh, over and over again. So so we've got uh, Ken and Emma on the desk for this one. Out first was the Paddington 2, followed by the family with Robert Marburnett and Brandon Hanna. Uh, no big entrances or anything, just came out, did their thing, sat down, get ready. You know, they, they got ready to go. So we're going to hop right into round number one. Um... This was, you know, it was an okay first round. Both Drew McWeeny and Alonzo Duralde did pretty well with Drew getting seven and Alonzo getting six. Uh, Guy and uh, Atchity, not quite as well. Guy getting five, Atchity getting four. Uh, So we wound up a 12 to 10 uh, round one in favor of the family. Um... I, I gotta say, I was surprised that they held up that preposition rule with the descent, you know, between descent and the descent. Like, I understand, like, I know that, it, you know, if it's a single word title, it's gotta be, but I feel like even recently I've seen them not uh, uphold that. But may, maybe maybe I'm, I'm, you know, forgetting something or, like, maybe I didn't actually see, but I for some reason I feel like... There was a recent one where they didn't, like, they they, they they gave somebody the point when they didn't have the, the word the in front of a single word 
uh, movie title. But I, I don't know. It just I was like, wow, they're they're really sticking to it, and I'm glad in general that they're sticking to rules because that's what really kind of creates a lot of controversy, and that's why I'm really glad that they're doing a physical rule book for next year. Uh, so maybe stuff like that, you know, it'll all be set in stone. And I really do hope that they make the rule book available to, to, you know, for the fans to read. Just so that, you know, as we are watching, we know, you know, okay, that was a legal ruling. You know what I mean? Or, hey, they blew that call because look at the rule book. Things like that. I really am hoping that we do get to see that. Uh, it was, like I said, it was, a, it was a decent round for both teams, but not spectacular. You know, when you could have a total of 18 points per team, having a 12 to 10, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not quite where you want to be. But the, they're, they're both pretty close to one another, so at least it's not some big shutout, you know, you know at the end of round one. So we get into round two, family defers, uh, which is something that they do quite often. Uh, Paddington 2 spins Christopher Nolan and respins and lands on Kurt Russell, which does them really well here as they get all six questions for 11 points. They only go to multiple choice once. They had a fantastic, fantastic round, uh, and they jump up, uh, ending their portion of round 121 to 12. They've got a nine-point lead at this point in the game. So then the family goes up, and they spin comedy, and they stay with it. I was a little surprised. I mean, Drew McWeeny. He's pretty much good at just about everything, so it's not totally surprising, but, you know, most of the time, I feel like you want to kind of see what else you can get, but, you know, if they land on something that they feel comfortable with and they don't want to risk getting something that they don't feel comfortable with, it's totally understandable, and they do quite a good job here getting all, they also get all six of their questions for a total of 10 points. They go to multiple choice twice. Uh, however, on their second question here, um, the, the, the question was challenged as it claimed, uh, that, as it was claimed that Rodney Dangerfield played Adam Sandler's father in Lil Nicky, when in fact he was his grandfather. Uh, the challenge was upheld and the family was given a new question. However, uh, Drew did ask for a clarification on the question that he did not need if he had listened to it. So what, what I'm getting at here is I don't have a problem with the challenge. I think the challenge was perfectly acceptable. Uh, you know, Rodney Dangerfield, it, it, it's, it's said father, but he played the grandfather, so the question was muddled. The question was incorrect, and so they threw it out and gave him a new question. Perfectly okay with that. Um, the thing that I had a little bit of a problem with here is the fact that Drew asked for clarification on the question. And like I said, if he had been listening to the question, he wouldn't have needed that. But the problem is that they did not get charged uh, a repeat. They didn't get charged a JTE rule for this. And, you know, that could make a game. It really theoretically could. You know, maybe that having that extra JTE rule could give somebody the edge to come up with the, the answer that they really needed. You never know. Um, but it should be a rule that if you need something repeated, if you need clarification, it sh- you should be asked if uh, you know if you want to use JTU. Because also, theoretically, 
he could have been like, you know, they could have been like, do you want to, you know, you'd have to use a JTE rule for that. Do you want to do that? He could have decided, no, I'll risk it and I'll go with what I think I heard and maybe he's wrong, you know? Who knows? Anything could happen, but they gave him a free repeat there and I'm, I'm not a fan of that. I don't like um, when stuff like that happens. You got to stick to the letter on these things. If you're going to have a rule book, you got to stick to it too, you know what I mean? So I hope that in the future they really stick to the to, to their stuff here uh so round one ends 22 to 21 the family up by one point uh so paddington 2 closed a little bit of ground there uh getting it within one of the family and so then we get into round number three and this is where things get interesting they answer all, both teams answer all three of their questions um so it gets down to it the, at the beginning, what happened is we got to the very last question. It was the family's five-point question. Um, the question was asked, who was the uh, so like the, the sole survivor of the, the Dirty Dozen in the movie, The Dirty Dozen? And they answer, uh, the, the family answered, leave Marvin. They were told they were wrong. And so then, because of that, Paddington 2 had won the game. So, as, you know, they're announcing this and everything, and the family, you know, walked up, Matt Atchity gets on the mic, and he says, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know, I can't in good conscience win this way, because Lee Marvin survived, the, the you know, was a survivor in that film. So, you know, they... You know, so he challenged his own, their own win. Paddington 2 challenged their own win, which is something that has never happened before. This was unprecedented. So, you know, they, they deliberated for a while and they, they decided that, you know, because of all the stuff, it was a little, everything just was a little too muddled. So they, so they threw the question out and they asked the family a new question in which they got right and won the game. Now, here's the thing about this. It was revealed later on, you know, like afterwards, and I think it was SEN Live, Christian talked a lot about this, um, that when they kind of went back and really dove into it more, Lee Marvin wasn't actually a member of the Dirty Dozen. He formed the, the Dirty Dozen. He, he got all the people together. He was kind of like their manager, if you want to say, of, of like a faction. But he wasn't one of the 12. And so them saying Lee Marvin was, in fact, incorrect. And it wasn't a, a, a bad win. It wouldn't have been a bad win for uh, the Paddington 2, the way that Atchity was. Atchity overthought it and cost himself the match unnecessarily. You know, he stuck his foot in his mouth. With you know, he, like I get it. He wanted to do the right thing. He's a noble dude. But the thing about it is, you're playing in a game. It's a competitive game, and you are playing to win. You didn't cheat. You know, it's it is the way it is. They didn't notice it. Yeah, I understand. Maybe it wouldn't have set right with you, but it costs you the match. You know, it costs you the rest of the season. Theoretically, the pad. Theoretically, the Paddington Two could have been. On their way to Spectacular, maybe they'd have walked away from the Spectacular with a title. Who knows? But now we will never know what could have happened 
you know, um, because unfortunately he, you know, he stepped up to try to do the right thing and uh, unnecessarily lost the match because uh, the right thing wasn't actually the correct answer. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. Family wins. Uh, they remain now undefeated and they move on to, to face who's the boss in round three. So we got former brothers going at it. Uh, ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, former teammates. They are going to be facing off against one another in round three of the tournament. Uh, another thing that happened on uh, SCN Live that I want to mention real quick. It was a little bit of kind of behind the scenes, almost spoilery stuff that was going to happen. And who knows, could still happen. But uh, Christian talked about what their plans were. You know, Guy, him and Guy were backstage talking. This is right before Ashley, uh challenged everything. Apparently what the plan was, was because the family lost, Guy was going to go out and turn on Robert Meyer Burnett because they lost, you know? They were undefeated, and this loss was going to cause him to essentially break up the family. I mean, I don't know if... if if uh, McWeenie would have gone with him or what would have happened, but Burnett, he, he was going to, guy was going to turn on Burnett. Obviously that didn't happen. It did seem like there was a little, like a little tension there. You could see it when, uh, when they lost and Burnett comes out and he's like, you know, consoling them or whatever. It's, you could see some tension. So uh, I'm like, I can see that, that maybe that's what was going to happen during the post interviews. Um, but it didn't. So I'm curious you know, because they've got this match with uh, who's the boss. If they lose that match, are they still going to do it? Or is it something that he's going to just completely scrap? I don't know. I- I'm interested to see if uh, he kind of gave away something or not. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I-, I'm, I'm, I I do, on my bracket, I do have who's the boss winning. So, if my bracket, at least that match of my bracket stays intact then we may get to see a guy turning on Robert Meyer Burnett and kind of essentially ending the family. And we all, So we also got an ending scene for this. Kaiser and Smith still at Universal playing that, that uh, water, do- water gun dog race game, and they're asking kids if they know Mike Kalinowski. It was really funny, really quick. Um, I like that they're just kind of doing these little these little vignettes, essentially. And I really hope that somebody takes them all and pieces them all together so I can just watch one long video of them at Universal looking for Mike Kalinowski. I think it would be hilarious. So then we get into match number two. This was the Looney Bin versus the Time Machine. This was a pretty funny match. Uh, I think this was the best that we have seen the Looney Bin as far as character stuff goes. Um, They work so well together and I think they're really in a groove now. So we get an opening scene, uh, the Looney Bin being weird as usual. Uh, there's really no other way to explain it. Accusing Janine of being an actual machine, of course. Uh, pretty hilarious stuff. They actually uh, went, kind of went back and forth on Twitter a little bit about this. I thought that was pretty pretty funny. Uh, the Looney Bin gives one of the best promos of the year. If, you, if you're one of those people out there who kind of skips over that stuff, go and watch this promo. It is 
is fantastic. I am definitely going to uh, be rewatching that, and I hope that I don't know if they're going to do a best promo of the year at the awards, but if they do, I this one is, is definitely uh, one of the tops, I think, for me. So for this match, we've got Christian and Mark on the desk. Out first, we've got the Looney Bin. Uh, Tom is just going on and on about uh, about asking people if they want to see a dead body. Uh, <laughs> pretty funny. Uh, they were doing it during the promo, which is, like I said, one of the best. So definitely watch that. Uh, so they were followed by the Time Machine with Jay Washington. Nothing crazy from them. They did their normal freeze frame high five thing. Uh, and then they sat down. Video Drew gave Janine some WD-40, which I thought was great. And he gave something to Ethan, which honestly, I don't know what it was. They didn't really show us what it was. I have no idea. Um, but, yeah, the, the WD-40. And then she gave some other gifts throughout, like a, like a charging cord. And uh, looked like some earbuds and some nuts and bolts, apparently. You know, because it's Janine the machine. She's an actual machine. You know, that's how it goes. So we get into round number one, and uh, it starts off, I mean, inside the match, it doesn't, doesn't start off controversial, but it starts off controversial for me, because the very first question, uh, Video Drew should not have gotten uh, points for, for her answer. The answer to the question was The Chronicles of Narnia, which is the movie. That is the name of the movie, The Chronicles of Narnia. And she wrote down and said, so if you look at her board, it says Narnia Chronicles, and she says the Narnia Chronicles. Two very different things. You know, it's it's not the Narnia Chronicles, it's the Chronicles of Narnia. They're very different. Um, it's not like, okay, you got the Lego movie. It's not the movie of Legos. You can't say the movie of Legos and, and have that be correct. You can't be switching the the title around j- just for shits and giggles you can't say uh the impossible mission fallout you know it's mission impossible fallout you know so it's the chronicles of narnia versus narnia chronicles there's there's an issue in the next match where there's a challenge that has to do between the word the and the word a in the, in the letter a and if that can be challenged and thought of, then this should have been. I don't understand why they didn't catch that um, or why. Like, neither the judges caught it nor did uh, Time Machine catch it. And I'm wondering if it's because they thought that she, that, because she's video drew and she's just being weird. So she said it, she said the Narnia Chronicles, whatever. She said it weird and they didn't look at her board. Because her board says Narnia Chronicles, not the Chronicles of Narnia. So, I don't know. I was, I didn't like that they got that she got that point. And I mean, in the end, it, I mean, it could have re- changed things. It, it, I mean, it definitely would have uh, made the ending different because uh, the two teams would have been tied at the end. If this if, if this had been upheld, or if you know if they had either caught this or had been challenged and upheld, um, and maybe we'd have had a different winner at the end because uh, they would have had to have gone into overtime. So who knows what would have happened? Um, but so we go through the rest of the round uh, and it ends 
12 to 12. Uh, Tom gets another perfect round and hits his bonus question. This is the second in a row, uh, second match in a row, I believe, that he's gotten uh, his perfect round. He's doing fantastic. This guy has got a singles run written all over him, man. Uh, so th- we end we end up ending round one 13 to 12 in favor of the Looney Bin. Uh, and what thing that I found kind of interesting about this match, or at least this round, I should say, both members of the Looney Bin scored the exact same amount in round one in both of their tournament matches. Uh, Video Drew got four points, and Tom got a perfect round with his bonus for nine points. And they did this exact same uh, number amount, exact same amount of answering uh, in the previous match as well, which I thought was interesting. So we got into round number two, and the Looney Bin spins monster movies, which and they decide to stay. I thought this was a perfect category for them to land on. It's just I don't know. It just seemed perfect for to me that uh, this the weirdos of the Looney Bin landed on monster movies. I thought it was really cool. And uh, Tom is a force to reckon with. Holy shit! Clears out this board. All six questions. All twelve points. Man. He, like I said, he is a force, and I gotta say, the managers would be smart to snatch him up in the draft. Honestly, if uh, if if you don't, if you can't have both members, get Tom. He is a powerhouse, and I think you could stick him with anybody, and probably have a great uh, team. You know, if you know how to work your teams right, I think it could really do well uh, to go that route. So then uh, we move on to the time machine. They spin Tom Cruise and they stay. They also go completely just rough shot on this thing. Six questions, 12 points. Both teams completely perfect round twos. Holy shit. I couldn't believe it. This was fantastic. The only person so far to just go completely perfect Tom Getting every question right so far. He pretty much dominated that his round, uh, portion of round two. And then uh, the time machine just did a great job with Tom Cruise. Man, this was a hell of a round two to watch. It was, I couldn't believe how good they both did. So then we get into round number three. And both teams miss their uh, three-point question. It's the first miss for Tom. Tom was the one on the three-pointer. Uh, and so it comes down to Looney Bin's five-point question. The score at the moment is 31 to 27. If they can get the five-point question, then they win the match. If they miss their five-point question, then Time Machine wins. And they they hit their five without any issues, and the Looney Bin wins 32 to 31 and moves on to round number three of the tournament. Uh, now, as I was saying before, if that very first question had been judged properly and Video Drew had not been given the point that she should not have gotten, then it, right now it would be tied 31 to 31 and they'd be going into sudden death. Now, anything can happen in sudden death and who knows, maybe the time machine... Pulls it out here. Maybe they wind up being able to go on to round three. I don't know. But it didn't happen. 
And the reason that I'm upset about it is because this is a, you know, yeah, sure, it's just a one-point question, but it would have changed the outcome of the game. Even if the Looney Bin had, you know, won in overtime, it still would have changed the outcome of the game because it would have gone into sudden death. There would have been more to it, you know? And so I'm just really, I don't know. I'm really kind of bummed about the way that turned out. I have no problem with Looney Bin winning this match. That's great. They, they, They deserve it. But I don't like that, uh, you know, some people get penalized for certain things rule wise and other people, it just kind of glosses over and they don't, they don't notice it. They got to be more like paying more attention to this kind of stuff. Um, so the, you know, during the post interviews, uh, video drew kind of talks about how, you know, you, if you want, you know, someone great on your team, you know, do it the old-fashioned way and, 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 you know, dig up their body instead of building them, you know, like, you know, as a robot or whatever. Uh, that's pretty much, I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what she said. You know, I don't remember the exact words that she used, but it got me thinking. Tom kept talking about, you know, do you want to see a dead body? Do you want to see a dead body? Is the dead body his? Like, is he the dead body? Is he just a reanimated corpse? In this storyline, you know, I mean, the way Video Drew was talking, that's the way it could sound. And I think that actually would be something fascinating. You know, if they're going to go kind of weird and dark with a storyline with them, you know, I don't know. I think that would be really, and they're already going weird, you know, with the whole thing. And like, he only goes by Tom. He has no, no name, like no last name or he's just Tom. There's nothing else to him. So... If they're going to lean into it, I think they should really lean into it. And he is a dead body. He is a reanimated corpse answering questions. For, and Video Drew is the one controlling him. I, I think that would be fascinating. I, I, I really hope that's what happens. Uh, so we get an ending scene here. Kaiser and Smets still at Universal. This time, Kaiser is trying to convince Smets to steal and resell a bunch of watches. And I was like, holy shit, this is great. This whole thing, this is why I said, we need to get this whole thing just together so I can just binge all these vignettes uh, as one fun little video. Um, Yeah, I think it would be great. I can't wait until it's all, I'm sure somebody out there will do it. And I really hope uh, it's soon. So now we're going to get into our final match. Match number three, Shazam versus the Odd Couple. Opening scene, of course, Smets and Kaiser again. Uh, Smets is trying to convince Kaiser to go on a ride. Then uh, Brienne, I think it's the Transformers ride. Then Brienne steps out from behind the camera, says something to Kaiser, like whispers something to him, and it convinces him to go on the ride. Have no idea what she says, but whatever it is, convinces him to go. Uh, and then she says, even managers need coaches sometimes. And it makes me wonder, is she going to like not be the 10th manager, but maybe join the dungeon as Kaiser's like quote unquote like life coach making sure things are are on track and everything I think that could be neat uh I don't know I I'm interested to see something like that so this time around we've got Ellis and Ken on the desk and during the promos I noticed something Mark and Draco who's wearing a green shirt 
uh, it activated the green screen and it looked like his head was just kind of floating above his body. So like he had a hoodie on, so you could just see essentially the the chest was open like with his, where his shirt was, and you could see the background moving like every time he'd move, it would it's like there's a hole there, uh, and his head's just floating because he was wearing a green shirt. And I'm surprised that war, like, they don't catch something like that. I mean, I'm sure they don't have, like, an actual wardrobe department or anything like that. But maybe just tell them, hey, zip up the hoodie all the way. You know, because it's, like I said, if that green is there, his head is floating because they use a green screen. So it just, everything just kind of disappears. So it was kind of weird. And I was, like, trying to transfix on it. I was like, I couldn't stop looking at it. It was really funny. So, out first we had Shazam with a bolt of lightning. They appear at the desks announcing the announcers, which was great. They even have a tail of the tape for uh, Mark and Ken. And uh, with another bolt of lightning, they were gone. And at the uh, they got back to their, their tables where, where they're going to compete. This was fascinating. I love this entrance. It was awesome. Boom, they're there and they're they're doing the announcing, but they're announcing the announcers. They're announcing Ken and Mark. Uh, they they did ta- like I said, they did tales of the tape for both of them, and they're like looking around like, what is going on here? How how did we get here? And then all of a sudden, boom, they're gone and back. I thought that was one of their best entrances. And as you guys may have heard, you know, if you listen to the clip from the William Bibiani interview that uh, they did over on after on uh, after live, he talks about. Uh, this he doesn't like really spoil it because the match hadn't aired yet when they did the interview, but he talks about this entrance and how much he loved it and uh, hoped that it you know would go over, uh, and I really think it did. So uh, yeah, be sure to go over and check out after live to hear that whole uh, interview as well. Then out comes uh, the odd couple. Jeff is in a white shirt that says. Uh, Eat shit in like some like fancy curly uh, lettering, and his boxer shorts. His reasoning for this is that he didn't, he doesn't need pants to beat uh, Shazam, to beat William Bibiani. I think specifically he says. Uh, so yeah, he's literally just out there in uh, boxers and a t-shirt. Yep, that's Jeff uh, Snyder for you. <laughs> so we get into round number one, and uh, it, it's it's a f- pretty close match. However, the odd couple does uh, stumble a few times. Um, the problem is, you know, the odd couple wound up with 13 points. Uh, Jeff with 7, which is damn good, and Mark with 6, which is still really good. The problem is, when you've got a team like Shazam, you've got to get every single possible point you can. These two guys nailed perfect rounds, both of them, both getting 8 points, both of them nailing their bonus for the total possible that you could get as a team of 18 points. That's rare. Uh, and and I even asked Frank, I was like, has you know, has there ever been a ma- Frank Janish from uh, uh, Schmodown Rundown? Uh, I asked him, you know, has there ever been a match, because I couldn't think, I couldn't remember one, but I was like, Frank would know. Has there ever been a match where all four competitors in a team match scored perfect rounds? It's never happened. We got two of them here, and Almost a third with uh, with Jeff. If he hadn't missed that Mozart question, you know he would have had a perfect round as well and possibly gotten that bonus. Um, so that's something that I'm really hoping we get to see. 
uh, maybe this upcoming season. I think that would be awesome to see that. That That's something to strive for, everybody. Get those perfect rounds. But, yeah, man, f- taking a five-point lead at the end of round one, especially up against a team that did great here, you know, with 13 points, and, you know, with the odd couple, that's that's impressive. Um, and I, I've always been having the backs of of Shazam. They are the ones who I have going all the way in this tournament. Uh, I even have William Bibiani going all the way in uh, the, you know, so winning against uh, Bateman at the Spectacular. I had him as the top of my bracket for both of these brackets, which if that happens, that means Bibiani is playing three matches at the Spectacular, which is insane, but we'll see. Um, So we're going to get into round number two, five-point lead, Shazam, you know, taking taking everything, you know, in, in in the lead here. They defer, and the odd couple spins uh, with, with Snyder going up pantsless, of course. Uh, they spin uh, Scarlett Johansson, and they stay with it. And they do really well, actually. Um, they get five out of their six questions for ten points. They, they do go multiple choice on the one they missed, uh, but luckily for them, Shazam was unable to capitalize on that steal. Now, there was a little bit of controversy here. We've got the uh, final question. It got challenged. Shazam claimed that uh, Andreco said the girl with the pearl earring instead of saying the girl with a pearl earring. Um, but because they don't have a way to do a playback, they decided, you know, that he, you know, Mark, either going to go with what the what they heard. Mark said that he heard them say. Uh, so that's what they're going to go with, and they gave them the points. Now, I did rewind it like three times and listen to it, and I gotta say, it's really hard to say because you've got with a uh, and with the. Now, he's not he's not saying the girl with the or the girl with a pearl earring. He's saying the girl with the pearl the girl with the pearl earring. So that could have been the girl with the. The girl with a pearl earring, or the girl with a pearl, pearl, uh, pearl earring. The girl with a, and the girl with a, the girl with a, and the girl with a. They sound the same when you're saying them fast, and that's the problem there. Um, I, I do think that that was a tough call, and I also think that it was a good challenge. You know, the the kid, he throughout the whole rest of the match, even into the the exit promos, he was beating himself up about this. Um, and, and, you know, it was a good challenge. You know, he, they heard the, Mark heard a, and honestly, I couldn't tell. It was because of it being prefaced with the word with. The TH at the end of with makes the whole thing blend together. It blends together with the, because it starts with TH, and it blends together with the uh, because the TH and the uh sound like the. And he's not saying the, he's, you know, it's, they're not saying the, they're not saying the girl with the pearl earring. They're saying the girl with the pearl earring, or the girl with the pearl earring. You know what I mean? So saying it fast, it all blends together. And so it's very difficult. And I know it's going to be controversial. Um, I, I do think that, like I said, I think it was a good challenge. But I do think it was probably the right call for the judges because there's no real way to, to say. The only other thing they could have theoretically done was thrown out the question and asked them something new, but it didn't have anything to do with the actual question. 
it was the answer that they gave, and I think that it's too inconclusive to dock them the points for it. Um, I, I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Hop on Twitter, at MovieBlogMerk, hashtag TalkinSchmoDown. Let me know what you guys thought. Do you agree with this challenge, first off? Do you think it should have been challenged? And do you agree with the decision? Should it have been should the challenge have been upheld, or do you agree with uh, uh, Odd Couple getting the points? Let me know. That's uh, at MovieBlogMerk on Twitter. So then we move on to uh, Shazam's round. They spin uh, opponent's choice and are given dance movies, which I got to say, I was shocked because um, knowing Bibbs, he loves dance movies. I mean... <laughs> If you listen to the interview that we do with him, he even talks about his dream. He, he talks about his dream um, entrance that he wants to do, and it's like a step up themed entrance. He loves those kinds of movies, and so like they thought, you know, maybe it would be difficult, but maybe they didn't realize that that's something that he loves. Now, they didn't do fantastic in this. They did okay. They got five out of their six questions for eight out of 12 points. They had to go to multiple choice like three different times. Um, and they, the one of the times that they went multiple choice, they missed. And uh, But thankfully uh, for them, Odd Couple was not able to capitalize on the steal. But it could have gone a completely different way, you know, because like I said, that's something, those are types of the types of movies that he, that he genu- genuinely loves. So... The fact that they gave him that category kind of made me wonder if they they weren't completely up on the types of movies that he's not good at. Um, or if they just thought, well, out of these categories, that's probably the most difficult. But I don't think it would I don't think it necessarily would have been the most difficult for someone like William Bibiani. Um, I don't know. Like I said, they still did really good and they are still in the lead. Uh, they are up by three points here, twenty six to twenty three. So I mean, it 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 didn't prevent them from keeping that lead. And so we get into round number three, uh, and the vibe of these two teams at this point in the game, polar opposites. Uh, both members of the Odd Couple are just like super serious and kind of, um, and they don't look like they're in a very good mood. And it's because they're you know they're losing, you know, and I get that. Um, and I think that challenge probably peeved them a little bit, probably pissed them off a little bit. You know, it is what it is. That's the game, guys. You got to deal with that. Um, but yeah, you could tell. And, you know, Shazam on the complete opposite side, they're happy and cheerful, but that's how they always are. So it was a real interesting contrast to see. Um, and so, like I said, we get in round three, and it's a powerhouse round where they just go through and get every single, both teams. Just clear out and get every single question correct. It was uh, it was something special to watch, um, and because of that, Shazam wins with a three point lead, thirty six to thirty three, in a hell of a match. This is definitely, I think, going to be a contender for uh, best match of the year. It was fantastic. I I I loved it. I couldn't believe how good it was. Um, Shazam as a team only missed one of their own questions uh, total. They missed. They both got perfect rounds in round one. Uh, they both did. You know, they had that full perfect round in round three, and they missed only one 
question in round two, uh, not including their missed steal opportunity. They also set a uh, record, a points record here, for a three-round teams match with their uh, 36 points. So that's pretty fantastic. And because of all this, they will now move on to face the Looney Bin in round three. So we've got the Looney Bin versus Shazam. We've got Who's the Boss versus the Family. and that, So that's all next week. And then we'll have the finals of, on that Friday and leading right into uh, the Spectacular. It's going to be great. So we also had an ending scene. The final scene of Kaiser and Smets. They're finally leaving Universal. Disappointed that they didn't find Mike Kalinowski. Then as they leave, Mike rises up from behind a donut cart and smiles. It was a perfect ending to this little uh, little trek that they had going on. It was awesome. I loved it. So that about wraps everything up for this week of Talking Schmodown. Uh, next week, like I said, we've got uh, both matches for round three, which, like I said, Looney Bin versus Shazam, and Who's the Boss versus The Family, plus the uh, Ultimate Schmodown Teams Tournament Finals, which for my bracket uh, will, should be, hopefully, I, I'm hoping that this part of my bracket stays intact, is Shazam versus uh, Who's the Boss? With Shazam winning. So that's what I'm hoping for. So, But we will see come Friday. And then also be sure to catch the Schmodown Spectacular on Saturday, December 7th. Five huge matches. William Bibiani versus Ben Bateman in a number one contender singles match. Alex Damon versus Laura Kelly in a Star Wars title match. Mike Kalinowski versus Kevin Smets in the Inner Geekdom title match. The Founding Fathers versus the winner of the team's tournament in a team's title match. And Paul Oyama versus either Ben Bateman or William Bibiani in a singles title match. It is going to be fantastic. I can't wait. Uh, that mar- almost marks the one-year point for uh, Talking Schmodown as a podcast because, I mean, it, it's coming a little earlier than last year, but the spectacular is the match, is the event that I started on. That was my very first episode was the Schmodown Spectacular 3 on, uh, actually, it, I posted it on Christmas Eve, actually, on December 24th. So that technically December 24th will be my one year. But, you know, because it's it's going to be the Spectacular, you know, when I do that episode, I'm going to say, that will be, I'm going to count that as essentially my one year anniversary. And that actually won't be for a couple of weeks, because next week I'll be talking about the three matches from this week, and then the following week, when everybody's able to see the spectacular, is when I'll do my episode for that. Uh, I may try, depending on when he lifts the spoilers, I may try to post it a little bit early. We'll see uh, what they decide there. So, again, thank you. This has been episode number 40 of Talking Schmodown. I am your host, Josh the Merc Rainer, and we have been talking Schmodown. Catch you next time.